0: You're listening to City Church Manchester. We are a church that invites everyone to enjoy Christ for the glory of God. If we can serve you in any way then visit our website at citychurchmanchester.org to find out more. We're going to be reading from Acts chapter 8, verses 1 to 15. If you have a blue church Bible, that will be starting on page 1126. Once safely on shore, we found out that the island was called Malta. The islanders showed us unusual kindness, they built a fire and welcomed us all because it was raining and cold paul gathered a pile of brushwood and as he put it on the fire a viper driven out by the heat fastened itself on his hand when the islanders saw the snake hanging from his hand they said to each other this man must be a murderer For though he escaped from the sea, the goddess Justice has not allowed him to live. But Paul shook the snake off into the fire and suffered no ill effects. The people expected him to swell up or suddenly fall dead. But after waiting a long time and seeing nothing unusual happen to him, they changed their minds and said he was a god. There was an estate nearby that belonged to Publius, the chief official of the island. He welcomed us to his home and showed us generous hospitality for three days. His father was ill in bed, suffering from fever and dysentery. Paul went in to see him and after prayer placed his hands on him and healed him. When this had happened, the rest of those on the island who were ill came and were cured. They honored us in many ways. And when we were ready to set sail, they furnished us with the supplies we needed. After three months, we put out to sea in a ship that had wintered in the island. It was an Alexandrian ship with the figurehead of the twin gods Castor and Pollux, we put in at Syracuse and stayed there three days. From there, we set sail and arrived at Regium. The next day, the south wind came up, and on the following day, we reached Patoli. There, we found some brothers and sisters who invited us to speak a week with them, and so we came to Rome. The brothers and sisters there had heard that we were coming, and they travelled as far as the Forum of Appius and the three taverns to meet us. At the sight of these people, Paul thanked God and was encouraged.
1: Thank you, Matt. As we uh, come to God's word, let us just pray. Father, as you come to your word... Change us, mould us, show us your wisdom, that we may bring you glory. In Jesus' name, Amen. Now I wonder, have you ever thought, what does life look like as a sports person, doctor, student, or mum, or any other Aspects, so you're wondering, sure, I might go into that, or I might be interested in finding out about what life looks like as somebody different. I mean, the, the photos give you a picture, don't they, to some degree. But to understand what it's like to live life as a something or other, you'd actually have to follow the person around. You'd have to see what goes on. And we've got plenty of of TV documentary series that do that sort of thing, where there's a camera that follows them around and you can see what life is like as, here we've got 24 hours in a and or City football. There's plenty of other options available on your television screens. Now if I ask you, what does life look like as a Christian? What picture do you have? What model do you look at? What does Christian living look like? Maybe you know some facts as a Christian. There's amazing truths of Christianity. Jesus died and rose again so that we can be saved and with him forever and eternity if we believe in him. But what does it look like? How do I live that out? Well, this passage in Acts gives a fly-on-the-wall TV documentary series looking at Paul doing exactly that. In fact, we have three scenes in this. So we come to the first scene, which I've called Model for Hard Times, Collecting Brushwood. So picture this. Paul, as we heard from Eric last week, has had a torturous journey He's been shipwrecked. He has not eaten for 14 days. He's just swum to shore. He is cold and freezing, exhausted. He arrives and doesn't know where he is. He needs the people there to say, it's Malta. They're unusually kind. They build a fire because it's cold and wet and rainy. So they need wood. Paul, the great Paul, the preacher, the teacher, the apostle, is cold, wet, and tired. And what do we find him doing? Out, gathering brushwood and putting it on the fire. The picture on screen is a picture of brushwood. He's 54 or 55 at this stage. Time of life, time of this time, life expectancy was about 56. So at 55... The leader of the Gentile church, who's hardly eaten for 14 days, has just been in a storm, has been shipwrecked, has swum to shore, is freezing cold, is tired, wet, hungry, is off collecting brushwood for the fire. Now, no one would have thought badly if he'd sat quietly in a corner with a cup of tea and let the young'uns do it. I mean, there's 275 others plus the islanders, to help with this activity. So why? Why is Paul doing this? Why is Luke telling us about this in this record in Acts? Is it showing superhuman strength of Paul? Absolutely not. It's showing us Christian living at work. Paul was living out the gospel of Jesus Christ, his saviour, He was modeling servant-hearted leadership. They all needed fire to survive. He knew that he was not above any task, so he got on with it. Just like Jesus washed the disciples' feet, he was serving Jesus and Jesus' people. First and foremost, Paul had Jesus' in mind, and then in the middle of doing the menial tasks, he gets bitten by a viper. I mean, if he'd not been doing the menial task, he wouldn't have been bitten. It would have hurt, but he shakes the snake off and gets on with things. I mean, do you find that at times, life is hard? You're just about getting through. And it looks like a respite moment is coming, but then you get bitten. And this was happening to Paul here, respite from the storm that's raged. He's helping out, he's going above and beyond. And it's important to remember here, Paul is doing the will of God. He was living out the gospel as a servant leader. His whole journey was to go to Rome and that is what the Lord was asking him to do. Yet his hardship was not removed. He was there because of and for God. Just like Jesus, his saviour, Paul's hardship was not removed. And this collecting brushwood picture is a picture for Christian living. As we follow Jesus, there will be times of hardship. And that hardship may not be removed. Suffering happens to all Christians. And it's good to remember, it doesn't automatically mean we are doing things wrong. We all want blessings, absolutely. Yet God's ways are not our ways. And at times, because we are following Jesus and because we are living out the gospel, we can have hardship and suffering, just like Jesus did, just like Paul does here. Whether we're a church leader, a church attender, an elder, or a member of this church, if you're a Christian, you are never ever above servant-hearted service, servant-hearted leadership. So coming from the storms of your life, when you're tired and exhausted, have the picture of collecting brushwood, doing the menial but necessary task. No brushwood, no fire. No warmth, and the people will perish. Sometimes church is not glamorous. Set up, not particularly glamorous. Putting the chairs away, it's not glamorous. Preparing your lounge for our small group connect groups to come, not glamorous. Just coming to church is not glamorous. But it's vital for eternal life It is vital for our walk with the Lord. There are many more examples that I could have given. You will know your own. We all have our versions of collecting brushwood. When you feel tired, when you feel exhausted, remember this picture. Jesus, our servant king. Paul is following Jesus and collecting brushwood. We also see a picture of people misunderstanding Christians. I mean, these are unusually kind people in Malta. They're actually building a fire. They're trying to help out. They seem kind and reasonable people. But it's curious, isn't it? On the bite, they have a conclusion. I mean, I'm giving you two options. Snake disturbed by fire, frightened and bit Paul. Or B, Paul must be a murderer. They obviously go for B, he's a murderer. That's the only logical option, because the evidence, well, the sea didn't kill him, so their goddess of justice must do, and justice must prevail. So they watch. I mean, the medical knowledge, this is Dr. Luke, the medical knowledge is quite interesting. I'm not sure you would pass medical school. But anyways, two prognoses possible. Swell up and die, or suddenly collapse and die. The watch party is on, you can see them, you know, at what time do you think he's going to die? I don't know what time. What do you think? I I'm not quite sure. And they wait, and wait, and wait, and he doesn't. So, there's only two options, clearly. One, we were wrong and he was just bitten, or two, he's a god. Obviously, it's two, he's a god. Yeah? Well, what do we learn about people here from this account? What do we see? They are fickle. It goes from murderer, sentenced to death by the goddess of justice, to a god in a matter of hours. Christians can often be misunderstood. Others can be easily swayed by society and culture. We know that here in Manchester, and it shouldn't surprise us. So just as it happened to Jesus was misunderstood, it happened to Peter, he was misunderstood. It's happening to Paul here, he's misunderstood. It will happen to us as Christians, we will be misunderstood. It's likely to happen to you. And there's even more in the Brushwood model. Does the story ring any bells? Crowds thinking one thing and then going over to think something else. Iconium. Chapter 14, I hear you cry. The crowd first thought Paul was a god and wanted to worship him and then they wanted to stone him. This picture is important because through and around that Iconian picture, we see Paul out preaching the gospel all the time. Wherever he's going, he's telling people about Jesus, telling people about Jesus and telling people about Jesus. So what's this picture reminding us of? that Paul proclaims Jesus Christ wherever he went. Paul's not kept from hardship. In fact, in and through his hardships, he tells others about Jesus. Whether in prison, riots, beatings, shipwrecks, people thinking strange things about him, he tells as many people as he can about Jesus. And in our model of gospel living, we see that in and through our own hardships, we're to tell others about Jesus. People watch you. They listen to you. They look at your story of life, if only you will show them. Collect brushwood in front of people. They will listen. When I worked as a consultant psychiatrist prior to here, my NHS colleagues knew I was a Christian. They knew I was head of department and running the clinical team. But when they saw me leave a well-paid, respected career to work in a church, as far as they're concerned, like, what? They saw my faith in Jesus. And quite a few came and asked me questions about why. I shared about why I was leaving and why Jesus was first in my life. I had some very direct conversations with some people that I'd known for very many years, some of which were, I've been colleagues for 18 years. In your hardships, in your life, tell others and let them see your life is about Jesus and that your choices are about Jesus. The first model is the collecting brushwork model in hard times. Don't be surprised about hard times. God uses them to transform our hearts to be more Christ-like and through that, we can live the gospel out by telling people through being servant-hearted in your actions, remembering that we're never above menial necessary tasks for the gospel, telling people about Jesus in and through your sufferings. And you know Paul was talking about Jesus as he was doing these things, so copy. So we come to the next shorter scene. I've called Model for Good Times, talking about Jesus. Paul goes to the nearby estate belonging to Publius. He was the chief official of the island. So he'd likely had a large pad to, for them to stay in. I mean, if all of them stayed, there were 276 of them there. Probably a big place. Picture a large feast with people all around. Him showing generous hospitality for three days for 276 plus people. And upstairs... Dad is old and ill with fever and dysentery. This is actually very serious. Dad is at risk of death. Paul heals him, and then loads of people come and heal him. Now, why is this story here? Is it ringing any bells from Acts? We've seen Paul a number of times displaying miracles and healings. In Acts chapter 14, more in the Council of Jerusalem, in Acts chapter 1, in Ephesus, Acts 19, and that's but a few. What's the point of these miracles as we've gone through Acts? It's to show that the gospel that Paul was proclaiming was from Jesus Christ, not some idea that Paul had come up with. So this scene that we've got here in Acts chapter 28, where there's lots of healings, we know from previous chapters that this is a summary scene, and Paul will have been telling people about Jesus whilst the healings are happening. Luke shows us this reminder as we near the end of the book so that we can be ready to copy. Now, you might be sitting there thinking, well, Paul, he's an apostle, so that doesn't apply to me. Well, Matthew 28, Therefore go and make disciples, of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is God's word to us, all Christians. So whatever situation you find yourself in, God's placed you there whether hardship or blessing. Tell of Jesus through your living and through you're speaking. And just do a brief aside, why have we got this picture of good times with a large feast of people around? Good times can be dangerous times. Good times can lead us to being lulled into a false sense of security that we have caused the good time to happen rather than the good time is from God. So it's here as a way of protecting us. It's here to keep us from that error. Tell us about Jesus in hard times. Tell us about Jesus in good times because the Lord is Lord over all times. So whether something difficult is coming this week, normal, mediocre, hard, good, Tell of Jesus through your actions and through your words. How about this week? You pray and you ask the Lord for an opportunity to tell somebody about Jesus and then keep an eye out and see what happens. On to the next shorter scene, which I've called Model for One Another, Long Encouragement Walks. After three months, they're on a ship again. And then they travel 90 nautical miles to what we could now call Sicily, say, three days, then to Regium, a toe of Italy. Then they travel another 70 miles. Then the wind goes the right direction, and they get to putlio which is now the modern Bay of Naples, 175 miles. And what do they find on arrival in, as we now see it, the Bay of Naples? There were Christians there. We have no account, no knowledge as to how on earth they got there and who set this church up. So this whole ship's company of 276 people turn up, sudden arrival. I mean, you've got to remember, there's no text messaging, there's no pre-warning, they just arrive. And the Christians there say, come stay with us for a week. That's 276 people arriving and suddenly you've got to cater for them and look after them. Paul didn't ask for this. Look in verse 14. We found brothers and sisters who invited us to spend a week with them. They offered it. Now news is travelling. The brothers and sisters in Rome heard of their arrival and come from the Forum of Appius and the Three Taverns to meet them. Now the Forum of Appius was 43 miles away and the Three Taverns was a collection of shops or huts about 33 miles away. Two separate groups of brothers and sisters in Christ in the Rome direction here and start walking. It's at least... A two-day journey that they're doing. Time and effort put in by the Christians in Rome to come. What's Paul's reaction if you look down? At the sight of these people, Paul thanked God and was encouraged. Courage was put into him. He thanked God and was encouraged by people he had never, ever met before. Why? Because they are Christians and he could see their Christian faith lived out in front of him. Does the story ring any bells? We've had lots of hospitality and welcoming and greeting throughout the book of Acts. Acts 11, church in Antioch. Acts 16, encouraged in Lydia's house after being in prison. There are, there are more. Hospitality from Christians in all these places is God's faith, God's gospel lived out. It's another summary scene. Christians are to be hospitable and to encourage one another. Paul received great encouragement from seeing the faith of his brothers and sisters in Christ lived out before him, and we are to do the same. So what does it look like to go on encouragement walks together? We can encourage one another daily in our faith, in our walk with Christ. Go on in long encouragement walks with one another when you're in a small group and someone shares about a prayer point that they've prayed before and what's happened, isn't that encouraging? When you see someone grow in grace in front of you doing things because of the gospel that they wouldn't have done before, isn't that encouraging? We should be encouraging one another in our Christian living. Imagine you'd prayed the prayer that I suggested you pray earlier And this next week, you were able to share about Jesus with somebody. And then you told somebody else in church about that. Wouldn't they find that encouraging? Wouldn't you find it encouraging to hear about that? So let's do lots of encouragement walking this week. Going out of our way. They went two days out of there. Going going out of their way in encouraging one another. So how this week could you go out of your way for another Christian to encourage them. So we've got three models. But there is a key issue that remains. Who has the power? I mean, collecting brushwood, Chris, telling others about Jesus, welcoming, encouragement walks are all well and good. But we all know that in and of ourselves, we can give this a go for a short period of time. Why? Why? because we're human, and then we won't manage it anymore. And the astute among you will notice I skirted oats over something earlier in the passage. What about the snake bite? I've hardly covered it. Who has the power? The snake bite is serpent imagery. And in Scripture, serpents are almost always a picture of Satan. It's no accident that Luke has used that imagery here. Paul is about to get to Rome. Storms, hardships, riots, and more have not stopped him. So now the last attempt is a direct attack from Satan. And the imagery stems back to Genesis chapter 3, the fall and the picture of Satan. Genesis 3, 15, where it says, he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. The picture in Genesis is of Jesus crushing Satan. Jesus is the word. So we know that Satan will not defeat Jesus' word. Paul had a promise from God that he would get to Rome. Acts chapter 27, 24 says so. God's word will prevail. Storms, imprisonments, hunger, shipwrecks, cold, even direct attacks from Satan will not stop God's word from coming true. God's mission to the world through the church will prevail. Nothing Satan could throw at Paul would alter that. Paul was hurt. Paul was hungry. He suffered a lot. Yet Paul was going to get to Rome. Why? Because God said so. I mean, have you heard of plot armor? In a film, the main character seems to have sort of invisible protection. Bullets miss, bombs go off, train cars, crashes, they hang off things that you just can't really hang off and keep alive. Why? Because the plot's already written, and it says that they will manage these things. The, God's word is far, far more powerful than a plot of a film. And if God says that something will happen, it absolutely and certainly Will there is no script rewrite. God promised to Paul Acts twenty three eleven. Take courage, as you have testified about me in Jerusalem, so you must testi- also testify in Rome Acts twenty seven twenty four. You must stand trial before Caesar. God said Paul would get to Rome, and Paul was protected by God to get there. Yes, he suffered, but to Rome he went. We do not have those same promises for ourselves, but we do have other promises from the Lord about our eternal destiny. One of those is John 3, 37 to 39. All those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all those he has given me, but raise them up on the last day. If you believe that Jesus died and rose again for you, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that he raised, God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved because you are in Jesus as a Christian, not through works, not through rules, but through Jesus. Christian, this promise from John 3 is true for you today. Though today, and perhaps in the days and weeks ahead, we may face hardship, toil, our own storms of life, buffeting of waves of distress, bitten by life, and direct attacks and hurt from Satan, Jesus' word says that none of those, none, that the Father has given will be lost. You may well get wounded and the wounds may well be deep and lasting, but you will not be lost. Jesus will take you safely home forever. 100% certain guarantee. Why? Because you have something stronger than measly plot armour You have God's promises. Who has the power? Jesus has all the power in heaven and on earth. We don't have the power. Satan doesn't have the power. Jesus has all the power. And it's in his power, and only through his power, that we are able to live out those three life models that we've just seen in Acts 28. We started with, What does Christian living look like? We wanted to come to this passage and come away with a clearer picture of what living Christ as a Christian looks like. And we've seen three live-action models with one source of power, Jesus. In our own lives, in our own versions of being bitten after shipwrecks, when we live our lives alongside Non-Christians or Christians, we've seen what it looks like in hard times. Tell others about Jesus. Picture brushwood to remind you. Tell of Jesus through your actions. Tell of Jesus through your words. When times are good, picture a festival meal with people all around. Tell Jesus through our speaking. Picture Paul with brushwood in his hands or in a feast talking about Jesus. Pray and ask God for opportunities to tell others about Jesus this week through our actions, through our speech, through our lives in whatever lies ahead. And let's go on long encouragement walks with each other. Putting ourselves out for each other and encouraging each other in and through Jesus' power. Who will you go out and encourage this week. Remember, all the time, it's only possible through Jesus' power. Knowing and living out the fact that as Christians, we are eternally safe. We may get wounded, but we have the armour of God. The destination of our lives is to be with Jesus forever. Why? Because Jesus says so. What does Christian living look like? To walk life together, going out of our way for one another, to share our lives with others, to talk with them about Jesus, whatever's going on, as a servant of Jesus, collecting brushwood, showing servant-heartedness all the way through in the power of the Lord. To talk, to walk life together, talk life together, serve life together, all the time telling others about Jesus through and in the power of Jesus. That's what Christian living looks like. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that it is through your power and in your power and only that way, Lord, that we can do any of these things, Lord. We thank you that you died and rose again for us, that we would be saved, that we would be your people. Lord, we pray for anyone that doesn't know you, that looking in, seeing life lived before you, that people would want to come and live and serve you, Lord. Help us to tell others in our lives, in our actions, in our words of you. Help us to be servant-hearted. Help us to encourage one another this week. All for your glory's sake, Lord. Amen.